Uh, yeah, it's only an hour, Jeff. How Jordan Scruggs. Jordan, normally we're dumping on Baylor, man, but this is, uh, dude, TCU fans apparently feel like they've been just stabbed in the back at this point. I mean, it's one thing for GP to take a job at Texas, but for him to go to work at Baylor, man, Baylor. And I know he's got a relationship with Dave Aranda, but, man, they're, you know, you've been in that Baylor market, man. You can back me up. That rivalry, there's some vitriol there. I mean, Baylor people hate TCU people and vice versa. Um, this is just going to add to it, man. That's That thing's going to be charged up. I think the game, they play, in, they play in Waco this year. I think they play in Waco this year. I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's in Waco. Yeah. It is. It will be. It will be. Yeah. It'll, be in, it'll be charged up. In 2022, up. Baylor would have ruined TCU's perfect That's season. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Just like TCU ruined Baylor's perfect season. Um, but unfortunately TCU is able to get down the field in time and get a field goal. Um, I just think it's hilarious that Gary Patterson and Ed Orgeron are basically on this staff and they're still gonna win maybe six games. Um seven if they're lucky. I don't know. I gotta well you know what I it's that time of the show. Let's uh, let's pull up their schedule. Um, okay. By the way, uh, I like Daryl saying Patterson is just getting in at Baylor so he can slide in the head coaching job when Baylor fires Aranda. Hey, man, that's not an insane theory, you know. And look, I know I know Gary taught Sark staff some things. I know that staff took. That's a poor way to phrase it. I know the Sark staff took a lot of things from GP, took some things from GP, but I think looking at the way Sark's recruiting department ran and the way it runs, I think GP's got a really good handle on if he were to get back into it, kind of what how he would set it up and what the right way to set it up is. And then that, it's actually weird that this happened, Jordan, because there's something I want to go over. Uh, I want to go over this with you here in a little bit, but uh, run, let's run down this Baylor schedule and see what see what the Bears are working with. Okay, Tarleton State, that's a win. Utah, that's a loss. Uh, Air Force, they actually lost them in a bowl game like two years ago. But, uh, you know, we'll we'll give Baylor the win this time. So they're is that, two and is one. that game in Waco or is that in Colorado Springs? Uh, it's in Waco. Okay. Um, the Utah game is in Salt Lake, though. Uh, so they're rolling into, uh, I mean, versus Utah is technically Big 12 play, but there's not a Big 12 logo next to it. So I guess mm-hmm. I guess they're going to count that as um, non-conference, almost a non-district. <laughs> uh, but Colorado, honestly, who, who knows? We'll, we'll give it to Baylor, though, um, just because I, I, I don't know. We saw how Colorado was last year. I don't think Baylor, as much as I shit on them, I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year. So I'll give them the dub versus Colorado. That's three and one. Uh, versus BYU, shit. We'll give them the dub. Four and one at Iowa State. No, not happening. Four and two. Uh, Tech in Lubbock, not happening. Four and three. Uh, Oklahoma State, uh, not happening. Four and four. <laughs> uh, TCU. Um, man, I'll, I'll give the bear. I'll give the Bears a TCU game. That's five and four. West Virginia and Morgantown, still probably the hardest place to play in the Big Twelve. Um, five and five, Houston at Houston. I, I think Fritz could actually do better than people think in year one. I know they don't have a ton, but I think he's a great coach. Um, so what? That's five and six. Hey, and then 
Um, Kansas at home last game, five and seven. You think Morgantown's the toughest place to play in the Big 12? I'm not disagreeing with you necessarily. I'd say Morgantown, the new Big 12 is the hardest places to play. I'm just looking at Baylor's schedule, so I'm going to miss. I think I think Utah, I think Utah is going to be the toughest road game. Yeah. It's got to be like Utah, Tech, or no, Utah, Oklahoma State, and Westby, I think, just because how Oklahoma State has uh, – you know, every like their their fans are ten feet from the field. You know, yeah, I, mean? I know, like, I know. We're right on top of the bench yeah. and everything. When things aren't going well, especially the closer you get to the start of the NBA season, when the Thunder gets started, the Oklahoma State's attendance numbers can dip a little bit. But when it's full, when they're in contention for something, and they're, you know, the the thing that's always weirded me out about uh, Boone Pickens is there really is no room on the sideline. Like if you go down to those sidelines, man, it's like you either have like a two steps from the wall to the to the boundary and you know when they're 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 beating those paddles on the sides of the walls it can it it can get be an intimidating place to play just because it feels like that crowd's right on top of you uh but i did i want to talk some big 12 with you jordan i was i was going down the top 247 this morning just just kind of looking at some of the numbers and then doing some different things and I'm, i'm planning on a couple of different articles around it but i was looking at it man the the top two four seven guys uh, of the, in, the, in the state of Texas, which there are four, there's exactly forty of them. There's only seven of them going to Big Twelve schools, and actually, let's make that eight. And Texas Tech has half of those. Texas Tech has four of those. One of those is Draylon Miller going to Colorado, so that's none for Baylor, none for Oklahoma State. Uh, and Gundy's always recruited kind of weird anyway, but. Man, you look at this lance, it's none for U of H. It's really hard for me to see a big even in an expanded playoff, it's hard for me to see a Big 12 team being able to stack the amount of talent that you're gonna need to deal with teams out of the SEC or the Big Ten. And look, you can look at records in bowl games. I think anybody will tell you, I think TCU will be the first to tell you. There's a big difference between facing an SEC team in a bowl game where maybe they've got some opt-outs or whatever and it's kind of an exhibition and playing an SEC team, a top-tier SEC team when there's something on the line, which we saw what Georgia did to TCU two years ago. So I say all that, Jordan. I, I just I, – I don't – I, I kind of worry about the Big 12, just their long-term viability as a league to have a team that can contend for a national championship uh, we saw TCU do it and saw how that ended. I don't know, man. I you can add through the portal, but the root of the the if your base is high school recruiting and your primary recruiting, you know the the battleground, so to say, is the state of Texas. It's just it's only getting harder for the Big Twelve schools to to land top tier talent. Yeah, um, man, with, with with the Big Twelve, there they're always going to have at least one team, obviously, in the playoff. Um, you know, the whoever wins the conference, um, probably every other year, I'd assume they'll get a second team in. But you know, like you said, man, like <laughs> the stars, like that shit does matter. Um, it does matter. You know, look at everyone who, who's won the, the college football playoff, their blue chip ratio or whatever. 
different metrics you use to measure it, you know, all that aligns. Um, yeah. And it all does mean something. Um, and it also, of course, means something for, you know, uh, producing draft picks. Um, you have a higher rate to produce draft picks if you're recruiting better players at a high school. I mean, you know, one plus one does equal two. Um, but with, with, with the Big 12 in the college football playoff, like, I'm so interested to see um, with the with the 12 team playoff, like how much just different things are now because you have to do so much more to get to the national championship game, where it could be, shit, I don't know. Texas Tech gets hot and they're playing like the best team in the country the last few weeks. You know, it's like the NFL any given Sunday, like anyone yeah. can lose any game. Um, so it's really going to be interesting to see if these teams who are so are, are at such a disadvantage, at least on paper from a talent perspective, if any of them can get hot and, you know, have a Cinderella run kind of like a, in the basketball tournament. Um, you know, I, I honestly doubt it just because, uh, you know, a 16 seed upsetting a one seed is much more likely than like, a, I don't know, a number 12 Oklahoma State, who finished second in the Big 12, upsetting Georgia, who's the one seed. I know they wouldn't play right away in the first round, but right. I think y'all get what I'm saying. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. Um, I think it'll kind of be the same. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ish Final Four teams that used to be without, you know, the, oh, you get a free entrance because you won the conference championship. It'll be probably... Four SEC teams or three SECs and one Big Ten, I'd assume something like that. Um, just because I think people are going to realize how important depth is for the 12-team playoff. You know, you're playing a lot more games. Guys are going to get hurt. Um, and, you know, if Tech has 24 stars and two five-stars, so they're 22 starters, and Georgia has 14 five-stars and eight four-stars and then 10 more coming off their bench, you know, Georgia's likely going to win that game. Um, and as the season goes on and injuries happen, you're going to need to have a, a stable of dudes at each position. And, um, you know, that's when the rich will continue to get richer and, you know, the the poor will, I guess, continue to get poorer. But, but yeah. Yeah. What you said about depth, really where it comes into play is the is lines of scrimmage. I go back to 2017 and I'll look at that Oklahoma team that probably should have beat Georgia in the Rose Bowl. And Georgia in 2017 wasn't the Georgia that we've seen it become. They had NFL guys. They had a lot of talent on that roster. But Kirby Smart hadn't started stacking one top three class after another. Like, you look at their 2021 roster, their 22 roster. It's a completely different animal than Georgia was in 17. But the other reason why Oklahoma was able to compete all five of Oklahoma starters on the offensive line. I don't know if all five were drafted. I know all five played in the NFL. You go look at Oklahoma's defensive line. Uh, they had a decent amount of guys that got a chance to play in the NFL. And, you know, they had they were deep, too. Oklahoma had depth at that point to where at least they could, they could somewhat compete. I think what you've seen, you know, when Oklahoma got into the playoff after that, whether it was Alabama the following year, especially LSU in 2019, 
you know, it's especially with your defensive line talent because O-line, you're not rotating guys that much. You know, offense, you can mask your deficiencies. If you got a great quarterback and or a great scheme, you can mask a lot of your deficiencies. But, man, if you don't have guys on defense, which usually means if you're going up against a Georgia or Ohio State or an Alabama, if you don't have a deep defensive line where you can rotate and keep guys fresh so that way your best guys are ready to roll in the fourth quarter, at some point you're going to get exposed. And Oklahoma, that was to me was the theme of that LSU game when LSU just curb stomped them in the Peach Bowl. Oklahoma defensively just finally got exposed. And I think yeah, and like yeah. Kyler can only do so much when he's playing one of the greatest college football teams of all time. Yeah. Like you think Lincoln Riley had went to the playoff three straight years with Baker Mayfield, Kyler, and Jalen Hurts as his quarterbacks, and they didn't win a playoff game because they had shortcomings on the lines of scrimmage. And I think we saw that with TCU. You know, TCU was able to outpace Michigan in that Fiesta Bowl. I go up against Georgia, and dude, like, I felt bad for TCU. Like, you're, you're watching somebody just get mud-holed, and it's like, all right, I really didn't want to see TCU win this game, but dude, it's like, you just want somebody to wave the white flag. Like, it was, it, yeah. it was a massacre. Yeah, and, and I felt no bad because everyone was saying that was what was going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, but with OU and Lincoln Riley, I mean, dude, the like, those games aren't lost. Um, the day they're played. Those games are lost in the years the team is built uh, to construct the program to be in that position. Um, you look at the problem Lincoln Riley's teams had at Oklahoma for three years. Like you said, he had three Heisman quarterbacks and he went three years in a row and he didn't win jack shit. USC, what is the reason they haven't been to the playoffs? What does that lead back to? It's the same problems, right? You can have the best quarterback in the, in, in the country you can have some of the top receivers in the country, top of the line, but like none of that shit's going to matter if you have Alex Grinch calling your defense and you're going to give up 50 a game. <laughs> like it's, it's right. the same problem. So um, I think one thing that, you know, really isn't being talked about uh, just because all the other crazy stuff that's gone on in, in college football uh, this off season, like, you know, portal NIL saving, retiring, you know, that, that whole thing. But if USC um, won their quarterback situation, um, I forgot who have they gotten in the portal? SC. Um, yeah. But their QB situation and also uh, USC is replacing their whole entire defensive staff effect, like pretty much. So um and the hires they made weren't weren't too bad either. So uh, I'm interested to see if Lincoln Riley is gonna develop a uh, defense. And if so, um and he can keep it his offense just as potent. You know, that's going to be one of the scarier teams. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, USC was supposed to get Will Howard, and then uh, he ended up going to Ohio State. Yeah, let me see who they got in the portal. I mean, I don't – I didn't – I know it's a bowl game, and you can only take away certain things from the bowl game. I, you know, Miller Moss had a good bowl game. I, I don't know if he's long-term the guy, but – Oh, they had the the kid from UNLV, the quarterback from UNLV. That's who transferred in. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, is that the only that's that's the only portal addition they got at quarterback? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but I, you know, Jordan, I was looking at the at the top two forty seven on the offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. There are. I'm trying to count the blue chip offensive linemen in the country at the top as far as top 247 guys. There are 39 of them, tackles or guards. 
Um, only five of those guys are going to Big Twelve schools. Like you can't, and and like you just start running it down. South Carolina, Texas, uh, USC, Wisconsin, Penn State, Georgia, Michigan, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Other than Notre Dame, it, it's it's all SEC and Big Ten schools that are getting all these top notch offensive linemen. Yeah, um, and you know I know Texas fans aren't wild about them, but. Man, because of what you said, that's kind of why I think Tech is going to be the best setup to, or potentially the best setup um, to kind of be that team in the Big 12. Um, the the way they're recruiting, they're, uh, I know everyone just sees how Tech is offering pretty much any kid who can breathe in the state of Texas nowadays, but um, a lot of that is because uh, Joey McGuire is taking the same model that Matt Rule had, um, where they're, they're finding guys with, with tape that have proven and verified track data and they're not going to offer unless they have data on the guy, unless it's just the film is that good. Um, so that being said, they're finding people. <laughs> no, I'm not saying everything will run through Lubbock. Uh, they're, they're finding kids before other schools are and they're offering them and building relationships before other schools are. Um, where, where it gets worse, Jordan, of the, of the, of our blue chip guys at 24 seven. 54 blue chip defensive line prospects. That's interior D line and edge. You got two of them going to big 12 schools. Deshaun Warner was going to Kansas. Not even a kid from the state of Texas. He's a kid out of the state of Arizona. It's a really good get for KU. Uh, and then you have one going to Texas Tech, Cheeto Feely out of Saxe going to Tech. That's it. Like, dude, it's just yeah. you, you're going to have to try to load up through the portal. On, on defensive line, I like hope some of these guys that, you know, if you, you know, honestly, man, if you're, if like I'm Joey McGuire, it, I'm telling, you know, James Blanchard, Brian Nance, whoever's in my player personnel department, I'm like the minute any Texas offensive lineman hits the portal, we got to be on him like in the next five minutes. Like, because Texas is going to lose some of these offensive. It's like Georgia, man. You just, in Alabama, like Texas is getting to the point where your roster is so loaded. You're going to have guys transfer. We talked about it. You'll have guys transfer to look to play somewhere else. That guy that couldn't get on the field at Texas, he might still be a damn good player that could start anywhere else. He's going to be a hot commodity and still end up getting to go to a power conference school. So that's, I mean, that's where you've got to try to hope. And, and dude, you know, Jordan, like, unless you get one of those guys, and more often than not, if a big-time offensive lineman enters the portal, he pretty much knows where it's going. Dude, portal recruiting for linemen can be such a crapshoot, especially when you're talking about, like, FCS guys. Like, a lot of the times, man, you have no idea. You, you could end up getting Jared Verse, or you could end up getting a guy that's worse than one of the backups you had. Like, you just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with Tech, I guess what I was saying, why I think they'll be successful is, because of who they have to compete against, um, you know, like Texas's and, and A&M's or Oklahoma's or whatnot, they have to be early on kids, and that's what they're doing. And they're building relationships with them. Um, and obviously, that's not going to win you every recruitment, um, especially when NIL is something that the recruit is considering. Um, but what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we know we can't get these guys. Let's go get the six fastest receivers in the country and offer those guys and see yeah. what we can do with that. And then it's okay. He kind of sucks. He's not playable, but he runs a 10, four, two and is six, two with a plus four wing. 
I don't care. He only had 300 career receiving yards. We're going to take him. We're going to coach him up for three years. He's going to play one season, and he'll be all conference. That's Texas's kind of, or Texas Tech's um, kind of model. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, that's literally what Rule did at Baylor, except Rule uh, was more of just, oh, they have elite track offer. It wasn't elite track. Okay, they have to have good film as well. <laughs> McGuire McGuire is doing more of, you know, checking to make sure the football player is also uh, good as well, not just the elite athlete. Yeah. And, you know, with what Tech is set up with, that's probably the best approach to to this scenario. I think, Um, you know, taking taking gambles on on players like that, you you have to when you're in Tech shoes like that. That's kind of what you have to do. Um, You have to hope that it works out and that you have guys on your staff who are comfortable enough with with taking these. These dudes who they, their career and playing time is relying on getting developed. Yeah, I think sometimes we look at, you know, the last Big 12 team to win a national championship was Texas in 05. It's hard to believe that was the last Big 12 team that won one. And you look at that Texas team and you think, oh, yeah, Vince Young, they were kind of a finesse team. Dude, four of the, four of the starters on the offensive line played in the NFL. And Will Allen probably would have played in the NFL as the been be the fifth starter, but uh, I don't remember what happened to him in New Orleans. But he just kind of decided the NFL wasn't for him. And you know, Tony Hills played, got drafted. He was a backup on that team. Your entire two deep on the defensive line played in the NFL. So it, it's no <laughs> this game. We can complicate this game as much as we want to. Jordan, it's still about. Do you have people that can move the other guys against their will, either yeah. moving the line of scrimmage because you're moving a ball or getting into the backfield being disruptive? And the other thing Rule did, I do, I, I'll, uh, I know, I know, we dump on Baylor, we do it in in jest because of your time covering the program and some of some of the frustrations I know you went through. But dude, I love me some Matt Rule, man. I, I just I've been to clinics and heard that guy speak, and you get to talk to him for a little bit and. I'm like, dude, this dude, if I had a kid, I would send him to play for Matt Rule. I just think I just think Matt Rule is that kind of dude. I think he knows football, what he values in players, I think works. The other thing he did, yeah, he took guys that had tools, uh, guys, that, whether it's wingspan, speed, whatever it is, or he took guys that were high-floor football players. Mm-hmm. Like a guy like James Lynch out of Round Rock was one of those guys. Like you don't know where his ceiling is. Well, he can come in and play for you right now. And you feel like, hey, the floor is so high. He's at least going to be serviceable, a serviceable football player. Because you need both. Like, I think. Yeah, and te- Tech is also doing a good job of incorporating those. Yeah. I just don't think it's to to the degree that kind of Matt Rule's model is um, yeah. and what, what he's currently doing in Nebraska. But I, I'm just a big a fan as, as Matt Rule. I've listened to probably like a dozen podcasts. I'm on there. I, I love him, too. And. I like his mindset and his approach um, to just recruiting and scouting. I think when he brought it to Baylor, it was kind of the first of its kind. And then Joy McGuire obviously saw it, coached it, and kind of took it, created his own. And, you know, once more people grow out from from McGuire's staff at Tech and more people grow out from Rules Tree, I think it's going to be popularized across college football um, just because it's a smart way to do things. And it wins games. It's won Matt Rule a lot of games. And, uh, you know, with Joey, he hasn't had the best first two years, but – um, you know, that like what I described, they're a long-term developmental program. So, you know, next year, the year after, I think is really the year you can judge there. But 
But yeah, yeah. you know, um, I, I look at uh, like I look at Matt Rule when he was at Temple, mm-hmm. and you know the the thing that I, I I looked at Matt Rule. I mean, Matt Rule was producing first round picks at Temple. I know he had Hassan Reddick, and I think he had one more, but he was getting guys drafted out of Temple and taking guys that Penn State really didn't want to have anything to do with and then going to play Penn State and kicking their ass. Like that's, that's what Matt Rule did at Temple. So I was a Matt Rule fan even at that point. I just thought I thought he was going to be really good. And, you know, for the Big 12 schools, like I said, at some point, if you don't have the horses on defense, at some point you're going to get exploited. But, you know, I, I do think, man, Tech is doing the best job. I mean, look, go look at everybody else's quarterbacks. I think of the of the Big 12 schools – that took quarterbacks, Jordan, unless I'm missing somebody, I uh, may be missing uh, what Kansas or Kansas State or something like that did. Man, I really like Will Hammond out of Hutto as a prospect going to Tech, and I know they offered him really early, but I, I, I feel like Tech probably has the best, just because Joey McGuire's got that Matt Rule plan. I'm backing up what you're saying. I think Tech's got the best chance to do it. Um, you know, maybe maybe Utah does. I, I don't know. I'm not that familiar. I, I know they recruit the state of Texas pretty heavily. Kyle Whittingham always has. Uh, but yeah, I, it's good. I'm really interested to see who comes out of the Big Twelve. Who's the what? Who's the team year in and year out that's going to be in the playoff and, and fighting for it? I'll say this though: between Chris Kleiman and Matt Campbell, uh, Kyle Whittingham. Dude, pound for pound, Mike Gundy, I still think pound for pound, you've got the best coaches in the country in the Big 12 because they have to do more with less. Yeah, it's going to be some great some great uh, coaching battles. And, and and what you're saying about the the quarterbacks is Will Hammond, you know, being a top 247 guy. I think the only other school that signed a top 247 guy in, in the Big 12 was TCU with Haas Haney out of Alito. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, I got to cover Haas a lot because, I mean, he, he was always going to TCU once they offered because both his parents went and played sports there. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, Baylor was recruiting him pretty heavy. So, you know, I got to go see him play a lot. And, um, <laughs> I mean, you know me. Uh, I don't like to do too lofty of comparisons. But um, based off play style, I truly do think Haas Haney could end up having – Similar Johnny football, Johnny Menzel type of play style, Whoa. type of that. Not the Whoa. off the field shit. Not <laughs> I'm not calling him a Heisman winner. I'm not calling him a Heisman winner. I'm not calling him a partier. Um, the way he plays, the type of build he has, just the way he throws the ball. And man, he's maybe 5'11, 5'11 and a half, something like that. Like he plays like he's 6'6. Six, six. Um, and he has a cannon for an arm. Uh, he's fastest 100 meter speeds of any quarterback in the top two, four, seven. Um, and he also had like 12 offers to go play slot receiver as a sophomore. Um, you know, it's, it's not just cause he's a quarterback, but he is one of the best athletes in the state of Texas. I mean, he went 10, six, two, or I think, I think he went sub 10, six, like twice as a junior. Yeah. He can fly, um, and he can spin it. And, you know, all he's ever done in his career is win at Alito. I know, obviously, it's a great program. It's not like he has to, you know, drive the ship a ton. But, you know, he's still going out there and winning games, and he has two state rings to his name. Not a lot of other kids can say that. Um, yeah. And another thing about him, too, like, uh, he has the perfect mindset you want. I know, like, I can't really describe that too well, but it, 
he is the perfect kid to be the face of your program and to be, um, yeah, just the, the face of your program um, and yeah. to wear that, that captain's patch on your chest. And, you know, honestly, as much as I like Will Hammond, Will Hammond is even a juice quarterback. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that. I, I was actually who found mm-hmm. Will Hammond. I like Hoss Haney more. Um, just really? The ceiling's higher. I think right now, honestly, I might even take him over Will. Um, I just, I, I really do like Hoss. And, uh, you know, like, you know how much our scouting team hates quarterbacks under six foot. If you're a quarterback under six foot and you're in the top two, four, seven, it means you're a straight motherfucker. And that's what Hoss Haney is. So, uh, TCU, you got probably the best quarterback you've signed since Sonny Dykes is. Uh, come to town. Um, Josh Hoover, surprisingly, has been a lot better than anyone who ever saw him in play in high school thought he'd be. Um, but, you know, it looks like he'll be their starter. But it, if if not, if Dykes is going to let him compete, I would never uh, rule out Haas Haney, and I'd expect him to make that pretty competitive. So, um, you know, TCU, they have a quarterback in, in their system now, and it might take a year or two before we see him in action, but um, but he's he's going to be legit. Max so. Duggan was a top two four seven guy back in twenty nineteen. True, true, but he wasn't a Dykes guy. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, he was uh, actually our our uh, our scouting team liked Max Duggan more than the industry did. He was one twenty four overall in the top two four seven and two eleven in the composite. So yeah. Um. I don't know. I was just I was just thinking about the Big Twelve this morning because like I, you know you start looking at signing day stuff and it's always like you can have it's always kind of been a mind f for me like you can have like a top twenty class in the country, but if you're in the SEC that might not even be in the top half of your conference. Yeah, like it's just always been crazy to me. And then like. You know, really, other than like Miami and Notre Dame, when you look at the class rankings, other than Miami and Notre Dame, it's all, it's pretty much all Big Ten SEC. Yep. I'm just, uh, just waiting for one day to get the ESPN notification or Schefter notification that, uh, there's a new mega conference and NCAA isn't governing it. I mean, really, when you look at the top ranked classes, you've got, Miami at four. You've got oh, Florida State at 12, Notre Dame at nine. You don't hit another non-SEC or Big 12 member till you get the Tech at 24. So of the top of the top 25 classes in the country, only three of them, only three of them are uh not from the SEC or the Big Ten. Like if you do, like Kentucky, Kentucky's got a top 25 recruiting class. They're, they're number 25, right? That's 13th in the SEC. March yeah, you've okay. We signed a top 25 class. Yeah, but it's it's dog ass. Mark Stoops area. walking dogs off meat trucks. Man, hey, that's not bad for a guy that was the head coach at A&M for about 35 seconds. Yeah, yeah. Hey, what was, man, what was uh, your favorite? What was your favorite moment of the Mark Stoops era at uh, at A&M, Jordan? You know, I, I'm not gonna lie, um, the whole part. But what what I was most surprised by, I thought I really did think Bill O'Brien was gonna get the same treatment, and that maybe Ohio State fans are gonna have a 
a chance to get their way and not have him as OC. But honestly, don't think they just committed to uh, committed to the bit enough like A and M fans did with with getting Mark wow. Stoops up out of there. Mark Stoops got straight up Shiano. I mean, I would, you know, no Jerry Sandusky stuff mentioned, but dude, yeah, like a fan base pretty much made you change your hire. I think my favorite moment was probably when the plane landed and Mark Stoops probably never got off the plane. It was just Ross Bjork getting on, like, yeah, might as well just turn around and go home. Because this ain't happening. Yeah. Yeah. And now Ross Bjork is in Columbus, Ohio. Two bad hires for Ohio State. You hired the you hired the a, the AD A and M fans were ready to run out of town, basically chased him out of town with torches and pitchforks, and you hired Bill O'Brien. And like the sad thing was, man, I went to I went to the Bucknuts message board. I'm like, okay, I got to see how they're taking this. Dude, they they were like talking themselves into this being a great hire. Like, have you watched anything Bill O'Brien's done in the last I don't know? 10 years or so out, yeah. outside, also, of the, outside he's of not recruiting state he's not recruiting nobody no uh-uh no <laughs> he's going straight back to the league right after this i don't man was it you that told me i don't remember if it was you that told me or somebody else told me that they had seen bill o'brien he was there to watch arch manning throw like on the same day the Texas staff was, that was okay. I don't remember who told me that. It must have been Mike. I never went to go see Arch. It might have been Mike, but I, I I I digress. But the point is, like, they're there to see Arch Manning, right? Texas is there, Bama's there. There's a couple different schools there, and like Bill O'Brien could not have looked less interested in being there if he tried like it's like you're watching the number one quarterback in the country and you look like you'd want to be anywhere else other than you know doing your job right now yeah yeah no nah, he's just like me you know i'll uh i'll pull up to duncanville practices and just uh you know look grumpy on the sidelines the samples can come yell at me no that, that was a joke by the way for uh for those who don't understand sarcasm poor stoops didn't even make it to northgate sat on tarmac at the tiny airport shame bro northgate so me personally i'm not i don't i don't really party i'm not a partier at all but um northgate just seems so boosted uh i'm only really ever in called station whenever it's a state seven on seven tournament in the summer so it's a ghost town yeah. but like just looking at northgate i'm like this this is y'all's king like, yeah, I don't know. You know, like I know it's called station. It probably isn't a ton to do there. So you got what you got. But it's like, I don't know. I always expected more, more from it. Um, but yeah, do you is see the Dixie chicken still there? Uh, I don't know. I don't remember, to be honest. I, I didn't go over there this year. That was last year, the year before. But yeah, um, Dixie Chicken is still there. So I haven't, I'll be honest, Jordan, I haven't been to Northgate in where we're 2024. It's seriously been about 15 years since I've been to Northgate. Wow. Yeah, probably about that long. Yeah. Mm. That's been a minute. So I can't tell you what's there and what's not. Yeah. Um, Hmm. You ever had to go there for a recruit? Texas ever really try to recruit anyone out of there? No. Uh the probably the closest 
Probably the closest, and it's not really that close, would be Huntsville. Yeah. Little Tavondre Sweat. Uh, I'm just trying to think. You never will. Because Consol never had anybody. You know, the College Station kids, I would see them at, if there was any on the radar, I'd see them at State 7 on 7. But no, man, I I can't. I hadn't really spent a ton of time in Brazos Valley. You know, Brenham, Brenham's not. Brenham's a little further north. Hey, so. Brenham, Brenham's got a uh, 26 running back. Um, the 26 running back class in Texas is actually pretty good. Um, yeah. There's there's probably like six to eight kids already with offers in 26, like power five offers. Um, usually that's not the case around this this time of the cycle for them. I mean, they they just finished their sophomore seasons. Um, wow. <laughs> Damn, voice, voice crack. What the hell uh, happened? I don't know. I guess, I guess that's back. I remember for like a week there, I, I had it bad after I lost my voice. Gordon just hit puberty on the air, so congratulations, bud. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, no, I uh, just now the college station comments are coming in on the chat. You guys keep those coming. Um, I even forgot what we were talking about. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I totally lost my trade of thought. Oh, you're talking about the 2026 running back class. It's been a minute since Brenham has had a prospect. So they're probably due for another one. Shit. Who is the last one to go to Texas is Malcolm Brown. And then before that, it yeah, would have been Brown. Brandon Collins, huh? Malcolm Brown and Tim Cole were in the same class. Yeah, and then you had kind of that run where you had like Luke Pellman. Uh, Ryan Roberson, Brandon Collins. You know, I actually know Brandon for... Collins. <laughs> oh yeah, where where is Brandon Collins right now? Uh, coaching a seven on seven team in uh, the Greater Called Station area. Is it really? All right. Yeah, he actually has some dudes. Um, I I don't know if y'all remember what Brandon Collins exactly did at Texas, but uh, it seems you know it's pretty much in the past. Um, but uh. Yeah, he has some guys. He's a Keith Martin. He's a 25 receiver uh, at Rudder. He's probably got about a dozen offers now. He's got Terrence Lewis. Uh, he's a receiver at Brian High. He's probably around 10 offers. And then he's got a bunch of kids that are great players. They're just not good prospects, you know, undersized or whatnot. Um, and I mean, that's that's kind of what you need to win seven on seven games. Um, the, the teams with kids who are all four stars with offers, they never win shit. Uh, because they'll get destroyed by some five seven receiver who's like 120 pounds, but is the twitchiest kid you've ever seen in your life. Um, it happens every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, <laughs> who's Texas basketball next game tomorrow or Saturday? I was just trying to think of like even guys that have been on the radar, like College Station, uh, Consol, or Brian High, or Rudder, or any of those. Oh, you, you know, I didn't go see him, but probably the last guy Texas signed from that area. Correct me if I'm wrong. Would it be Keith Ron Lee? Yeah. Oh, my God. Keith Ron Lee. Not, uh, not, not doing too well. Um, yeah, I think it would be Keith Ron Lee. Nah, not doing too well. I actually went and looked him up uh, about a month or two ago. Um I remember you telling me he, about this. Yeah, he's been arrested like a dozen times and got face tats and stuff now. He's currently locked up. Um, so it's very, very unfortunate, very sad. Um, but 
Well, you know, it, you know, it happens. As excited as everybody is about their signing class, <laughs> that's the stuff that you can't account for. You know, yeah. you're going to have some guys that run into legal trouble. You're going to have guys that run into academic trouble. You're going to have guys that get homesick. Mental health is going to be an issue for some guys. You're going to have some guys that, man, you were just wrong about. And that's the fun of it to go through and like look at a top two, four, seven or look at a state rankings like five, 10 years later and, and see what happened. Like, man, I, I was thinking about this earlier today and I haven't done this, Jordan. So I wanted to do this on the air. So I was like, I just want to be surprised. I don't want to have, you know, I don't want to have, you know, cheat or anything, but I was thinking about that Texas, the state of Texas in 2014. And I'm like, you know what? That class, I think, turned out pretty well from from the top. Uh, Miles Garrett. It's like it, it's really weird how you go from like, you know, and a lot of these guys were factors in college, but like you look at that, just our our, our top two four seven. Miles Garrett, Tony Brown out of Beaumont, Ozen, Solomon Thomas, KD Cannon, uh, and Arion Springs out of San Antonio. Those were the top five in the state. And dude, all all of those guys were anywhere from like frontline guys to just starting caliber guys in college. Uh, but then, like, you keep looking down and like, okay. Miles Garrett, yeah, you got you know Jamal Adams, yeah, Miles Garrett was number one in the country, number one in the number one in the state, number one in the country, and ended up being the number one pick in the draft three years later. But that's that's one of those deals. Like, I remember he wasn't on the radar. And I think this was going into this would have been the summer before his junior year. So he's just coming off being a sophomore. And I remember that's when like Texas was so secretive and selective about camps. Like very few people went. It was like an invite only deal, even though I don't think it was supposed to be, but very few guys went. Mm-hmm. And I get a call from a parent during the camp. He's like, Do you know who Miles Garrett is? I'm like, doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, apparently nobody's heard of this guy. And all I knew about Miles Garrett was, you know, his like his sister went to A and M on a track scholarship. His brother played in the NBA, and like, but he is a freak. It was like this dude is just out here in one on one, just wrecking everybody. Like he's a freak. And I remember kind of following him after that, and then that winter, I'm making my rounds around around DFW. I go to Arnold. I go to Martin. And it's one of those days in the Metroplex, man. You'll, you'll get some of these. It's like 20 degrees in the morning and it's windy, a bad front had just blown in. Nobody wants to be there. Miles Garrett is by himself doing like sprint work on a turf field during the athletic period with just like shorts and no shirt. And I go out there and I don't, from a distance, I'm like, oh man, is that I wonder if that's like an NFL guy or a college guy coming back to get working? Like, no, it was 16 year old Miles Garrett just looking like he's fresh off the yard, like just all yoked up. I'm like, dude, this is this dude is he Miles Garrett's one of maybe the most like freakish specimen I've ever seen at the high school level, just in terms of he had a grown ass man body at 16. I'm trying to think, like, who are the most physically intimidating high school players I've seen? Vosick during his senior year was a scary-looking mofo. Um, But he didn't really get that look till his senior year because he was a late bloomer, just like like Burke kind of. So 
Um, Anthony Hill was scary as fuck. <laughs> Anthony <laughs> Hill, holy shit. Y'all should have seen, if y'all can, go back and find Anthony Hill's offensive highlights. God damn, bro. Literally, 6'3", like 6'7", arms just like stiff-arming people into the dirt, man. Um, I actually had a video my friend took. It would have been his senior year. Uh, Denton Ryan actually lost this game. It was versus New Braunfels uh, week one at UMHB. And um, they they were down like two scores in the fourth quarter. And they handed the ball twice to Anthony Hill, and he scored both times to tie it up. Um, and both went for over 50 yards. Um, that that type of that type of freak. Um, so academic progress rate's still a thing. I haven't seen her to talk about in a while. Look, um, uh, if a- you're good enough, they're going to figure it out. APR is still a thing. Uh, I don't think you get dinged for it anymore, though. Yeah. I think they keep track of it because that's still the list they pull from. Uh, like if there's not enough bowl eligible teams, and you got to take you got to pick five and seven teams to go to bowl games, that's still the list they pick from. Hmm. Uh, CB said Adrian Peterson has said B. I I didn't see Adrian Peterson play football. I saw him at a track meet, and that was another one. I'm like, dude. I need to look at your birth certificate. There ain't no way you're freaking 18 years old. Like you, you look like you're 30. Yeah. So. Who are some other dudes? Um boy, you know what? Other than other than the top end, like, yeah, we can talk about in 2014, like Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas, Jamal Adams. Those guys were top 10 guys that were first round picks. Uh Samaje P. Ryan down there, 21, which he would have been ranked higher. We were higher than uh, he was 21. In the top uh, in the state, and in the composite state rankings, he was thirty-one. So we were higher on him than the industry. He would have been ranked higher if he didn't just wreck his knee. I think his junior year at Hendrickson, he had a really bad knee injury, mm-hmm. uh, and I, that that knocked him back. But he was a hell of a player in high school. And James Washington at twenty-seven ended up. You know, it's not. There's some there's some wins in here for our scouting team at the time, but man, there's some cats in here that I haven't thought about in a long time, and dudes that I don't even know if they finished playing ball at uh, some of their schools. Ty Barrett's on here from Skyline Product. He's the O line coach, I think, at UTEP now. Hmm. Jamal Adams would have been a Longhorn if Max stayed, according to him. Any thoughts? Well, Jamal Jamal Adams would have been. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams had one thing in mind when he was going to school. He had his dad played in the NFL. Jamal Adams was looking at who can get me to the league, and the thing that really intrigued him about Texas was the number of DBs Dwayne Aquino had put in the league. But I think once not once once Matt got fired, I think we kind of knew the writing was on the wall. And then once we everybody found out that Dwayne Aquino wasn't coming back, Jamal Adams just was not not having it with with Texas. Uh, I think had Mac stayed, now I, I feel more comfortable saying if Mac Brown had stayed at Texas, Solomon Thomas probably ends up at Texas. Man, Solomon Thomas is a 49ers fan. Some uh, some mixed feelings there. But. Hey, guess who? Uh, guess who was number eighty-two over? I, I just mentioned some wins. Guess who was number eighty-two overall in uh, in our in our state rankings, our in-house state rankings at twenty-four-seven back in twenty fourteen. Can you give me the NFL team he's on? Is he currently on a roster? I'll give you a hint. He's playing this Sunday. 
Fuck. I know it. There's no way it was Mahomes. It was Patrick Mahomes. Patrick what? Mahomes. They had him 82 nationally. Patrick Mahomes 82 in the state. Can I? Can oh, I? Oh, in the state. Okay, okay. You said in the state. In the state. I thought you were saying nationally. No. And I was like, what? He was 389 in the composite and a three star. Okay. Can I defend the Mahomes thing? And look, you can ask Gabe too, right? Like, Gabe wasn't working in the industry, but Gabe and I were on the same. I think I might have called Gabe when this happened. Nobody ranked Mahomes that high because we were all convinced he was going to get drafted and go play pro baseball. So we're like, why? But because, like we talked about, Jordan, there's some things you've got to take into consideration when you're ranking a guy. Like, okay, if we're looking at NFL potential, if he's never going to get there because he's going to go play pro baseball, why are we going to rank him that high? We, we rank Mahomes low, and then, like, he announces that spring that, like, nope, I'm going to Tech, and I'm going to play football. It was a collective, like, yeah, we're probably going to regret that in a few years. <laughs> and sure enough, we regret. It wasn't – he was a hell of a quarterback. It's not like he was just some unknown, like, plucky underdog. Like, we knew he was a hell of a football player. Wouldn't a, just, a lot of people talk about – a lot of people talk about how he was a pretty good safety too. Is do you ever see him in that safety? I never saw him in a safety. No, I don't. I don't remember. I'm sure he's got safety tape, but I'd be lying if I told you I studied Patrick Mahomes tape at, at safety. Yeah. Um, who's even the at best? that age? Even at that age, he could fire piss missiles though. Who do you think is the best two way high school player you've ever seen? Well, I never saw him, but those that did will say Sergio Kendall. Mm-hmm. Um, the best two-way player. You know what? I don't off the top of my head, and I'm sure I'll think about some, somebody else will come to the forefront. I don't know two-way player, but when I watch J.K. Dobbins at Lagrange, <laughs> I don't think he took a play off. He was a Wildcat quarterback. He kicked extra points. He kicked off. He was on the kickoff return team. He punted. He was on the. He was. He returned punts. I think he may have taken like one or two snaps off on defense just to catch his breath. But if there were 200 snaps in that game against Caldwell, he played 180 of them, 190 of them legitimately. Yeah, you know what's crazy too? J.K. Dobbins is making the drive from Giddings every day to get to LaGrange. Yeah. So, yeah, committed to it. Um, For me, it's got to be Terry Bussey. Uh, I mean, look at the stats in two-way. Uh, literally, definition of men amongst boys. But uh, after Terry, it's got to be Harold Perkins. Um, I saw him actually play Bridgeland and Connor Wigman. It was both their senior years. Um, Connor Wigman only threw like two passes, though, because he tore his hamstring two weeks before and was trying to play on it, and the Bridgeland staff was letting him try to play on it. And that was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in my life. Like the – when you're at the Bridgeland staff in that position with a kid who has this much in front of him, you can't let him fuck that up. Sounds um, gross. And that's almost what happened. He almost effed it up. But Harold Perkins probably had a dozen tackles, like two sacks, and like over 300 all-purpose yards on offense and like four touchdowns that night. Um, uh, Jordan, Harold Jordan Perkins. Whittington. Yeah, Jordan Whittington's up there for me too. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never saw him, but I always heard Aquero. He was a straight dog. Someone said Jordan Shipley at Burnett. Yeah, Jordan. Again, I, I never saw him in person because I was in high school at the same time. But Quan Cosby, Quan was one of those guys that had insane numbers on offense and had like twenty something interceptions. 
in his career. And I'm like, you're playing two way football and you're dumb enough to throw the ball at Quan Cosby. Like, oh, I, I guess That's go with God. Like, like hope he falls down. Like what's your plan? What, what, what's your plan there? Yeah. Like with, with Terry Bussey, I remember I kind of, I kind of got chills. This was, uh, this would have been the semis, the semis for two a last year. And it was at the Berry center in Cyprus, uh, in Houston. And uh, it was Timpson versus Refurio. Um, Refurio ended up winning and going to state and losing. Um, but total banger of a game. Uh, he came down to the final wire or the final minute. Uh, Refurio won off a bomb pass to Ernest Campbell, who's the fastest kid in the state. Yeah. Uh, and he beat Terry Bussey on a, on a route. That was probably the only time Terry Bussey got beat at corner all year. Um, and I remember I was – Baylor was trying to recruit Ernest Campbell at the time. Um, so I was kind of huddled up next to him, trying to talk to him after the game. And uh, they have a camera on the Furio head coach. And uh, the Furio head coach said, uh, like, I've been coaching however many years, he said. Um, you know, I've coached against kids who've gone and played at UT. I've coached against kids who've gone and played at A&M. People have gone to the NFL. I've coached against the Brooks brothers from Shiner that took Shiner to state four years in a row. And I've played those guys twice a year for the last four years in a row. And he said, I've never played somebody like number 10 over there and pointed to, to Terry Bussey. So um, that was pretty cool. Uh, Terry, Terry Bussey, I mean, y'all have heard me talk about it. Um, and I, I have this phrase a lot for, for guys like him where they just they don't come around often. There's only a handful across the country each cycle. And I mean, it's true. Um, it really is, and it's it's God given ability, and and if you know Terry Bussey, he's a really special story as well. So, um, you know, hope, hope he achieves a lot of success in his career, and you know, keeps it up. Man, Patrick Mahomes has some kind of Benjamin Button thing going on in his uh his mugshot on the site, <laughs> but yeah, that was one that was one that I knew. Once I knew he was going to tech for sure, we were going to probably regret that. And I'm sure the industry as a whole does. Yeah, Jordan Whittington's up there for me too, Jordan, in terms of two-way guys. Like I watched him as a sophomore game against Yoakum when Yoakum had uh, Joshua Moore and Jordan Moore when those guys were getting offers. And after about the first quarter, I'm like, yeah, Jordan Whittington's the best player on the field here, and it's not even close. Yeah, I'm looking at Mahomes' profile. I'm pulling up the the photos on our back end so I can see who took these and uploaded these. Three offers. Trey, do you know what would you like to know Patrick Mahomes' three offers in high school? Again, nobody offered him because everybody thought he didn't go play baseball. Texas Tech. Did I get that one right? Yep. Uh SFA. Nope. Baylor. Uh, no, but another Big 12 school. TCU. Nope. Houston. Nope. Think a little, think north of the Red River, but not Oklahoma. No, that's a, he, God, what a perfect guy for Oklahoma State to offer. Yeah. And then Rice was the other one. Was, I, I didn't, re, I mean, did he make really good grades in high school? I would assume yeah. so. Rice is offering. And like I, I don't know if you heard Jordan and I talking, but he was a he was a hell of a player. He was a hell of a quarterback in high school. It's just as an industry. I mean, I I worked at twenty four seven. I talked to guys at Rivals and Scout, but 
everybody thought he was going to go play pro baseball. Like that was the word. Like, nope, don't even rank him high because he's never going to make it to Lubbock. And then he decided that spring, like, nope, I'm going to go. I'm going go to Lubbock and I'm going to play football. And collectively, we're all like, yeah, that's we're probably going to look really bad on that in a few years. Yeah, I uh, the where is this? I love how we do not have pro style or dual threat next to quarterbacks anymore, and we just rank them as quarterbacks only. Yeah, much better. Same thing with like what what the hell is Rivals doing with weak side defensive end and strong side defensive that, end in twenty twenty four? Just call it edge. So, just call it edge. So it's just an antiquated way of doing it. Yeah. Yep. Should have gone to Rice, boys. It could have played for the great David Bailiff at Rice. Yeah. You know, they hosted a Super Bowl in that stadium once. Never they did that did. in Lubbock or in Stillwater. So I think the uh I think the upper deck at Rice Stadium on one side is condemned now. I don't think it's actually safe for anybody to be there. So that stadium is a piece of shit, let me tell you. I don't know that they've done many renovations since they hosted that Super Bowl, BK. Nope. Like JFK said, why would we renovate Rice's football stadium? Because well, you parent you had to at some point, but now it's just way past the point of repair. Yeah. Did J did JFK really say that, or did I get <laughs> taken for a ride? Didn't he say something about Rice playing Texas in football? Yeah. Said, why Why do we go to the moon? People ask why should, Why should we go to the moon? Why does Rice play Texas every year? It has a poor attempt at a joke off of that. <laughs> What's, I trained just heard JFK and started thinking Lee Harvey Oswald and just uh, he kind of spaced out for a sack, I bet. I love how somebody asked Brock Purdy at the media night extravaganza yeah. what he thinks of the Lee Harvey Oswald comparison, which I don't even think is that good of a comparison. No. There's other guys that he kind of looks like, and he's just like, eh. Yeah. I, I don't know. A couple of guys who are made famous because of their weapons. A couple of guys who probably couldn't do it on their own but needed some help make it happen i don't think the comparison's about the looks i think it's about their actions boys they both did their share to embarrass the state of texas because brock purdy for whatever reason played really well against texas other than that first game i also do hear that brock purdy spent a semester abroad in russia his sophomore season so there's another comp i guess yeah i don't see it at all I, I, I don't I see don't, that's the I, problem. Like people make the comparison, like nope. That's hmm. a reach. Uh, you guys heard the uh, Blake Bell looks like John Wilkes Booth before? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, that's that's not. I, don't, I, I could, <laughs> you could show me a photo of John Wilkes Booth, not tell me it's him, and I probably wouldn't be able to tell you it's John Wilkes Booth. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, weird, like you know. Trey, do you ever do, you or BK, you guys ever do one of the school tours like the Washington, D.C., where like you go through all the museums and everything? Washington, D.C., no, I've never been there before. Yeah. want to take that the was, kids soon. That was weirding me out, like doing the Ford Theater bit, and then they show you like, oh, yeah, that's the bed where they tried to revive Abraham Lincoln and he died. I'm like, it's kind of morbid, you know? It's yeah, hey, Jeff, I've been there too. I remember thinking the same thing. That was right <laughs> after my eighth grade year, being like, what the, f <laughs> like, yeah. what? It's like it's cool, and it's like, oh, Lincoln. That's where Lincoln died. Like, oh, God. yeah. But it's like, like thirty years from now, we're not gonna be taking the elementary schoolers to the hospital and being like, hey, here's this is where Biden's last few breaths were. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not, they're not doing that. So right. why are we doing it with Lincoln? Trey, you you went to a Dallas area school. They didn't take you like the Parkland Hospital and show you where all the 
all the stuff happened. No, we did do the JFK tour, though, and they took us to a broom closet where Lee Harvey apparently masturbated before taking that shot, which I thought was not only weird, but inappropriate for high schoolers. Really? He he rubbed one out before? Calm the nerves. I mean, steady hands, I guess. Maybe that's what he was thinking. I don't know. John Is it William shit. Howard Taft we're looking at? Ah, shit. Yeah, you knew. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, bro, that's a... I was gonna try to show you all on that. Him. He, he looks familiar. Was, How do y'all know who that guy what looks like? William Howard Taft, James Garfield. Which one was the president that was so fat he got stuck in the bathtub? That was Taft. I think. That was Taft. All right, That's I so remember Taft. that, and that always leads me to. I'll leave you guys with this. Have you guys seen the Bill Simmons Andre the Giant documentary? Great documentary. Great yes, do- great documentary. BK, have you seen it? No. All right, so Andre wrestled all over the world because he was an attraction, right? People would pay big money to fly him in. He spent a lot of time in Japan. Well, like the Japanese toilets were so small, Andre couldn't fit on the toilet. So what he would have to do is he would have to lay newspaper in the bathtub and do the devil's business in the bathtub and then clean it up. What? Yeah. You know what's crazy about that, Jeff? When we took that tour of the book depository they said lee harvey would also have to lay newspaper down before he would rub one out apparently it's just not much to deal with <laughs> there's john wilkes booth by the way what is that really people, what do you think people's beards smelled like back in the 1800s oh not good was that really john wilkes booth or was that sigmund freud that's james garfield I was about to say, that ain't, I recognize him too. I don't know who it is, but that ain't, that ain't, that ain't Wilkes Booth. No. That's, I thought. You're going to show me a picture of Zachary, Zachary Tyler or Zachary Taylor. BK, we're going to play guest the president and keep going. Oh my God. I only know like three of them. James Garfield and half or two of them. Who's our president right now, BK? Uh, Joe Burrow, I think. Joey yep. Buckets, whatever they call him. No, it's James Harden. <laughs> Joe Lenardi is the president of the United States right now. All right, who's this, Jordan? Oh, uh, shit. Isn't that, uh, what's it called? <laughs> Damn, this is bad. Is that Samuel L. Jackson? Or Sam- am I tripping? Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, man, not L. Jackson, not L. Jackson. Not L. Boy, we got we to gotta get that on a short. No, 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 no. Hey, that was a mistake. Come on now. Come on now. Um, There's a history teacher in Lake Travis. I, I know, I know who it is. I know their existence right now. Were you going to say Sam Houston, Jordan? I recognize the face. Hold up. You already no, said, I, one of y'all already said this guy's name. That's why I pulled him up. Sam Houston. No. I, okay, I, yeah. I, I thought bad. it might have been Sam Houston, but I'm like, unless BK's really screwing me here and not doing presidents. Zachary Tyler. That, Zach Taylor. Taylor, yeah. There John Tyler was the president. No, I was tripping. I All was right, tripping. La- last one. Which president? That guy looks like a pedophile. I don't care if it is the 1850s. <laughs> looks like Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> kind of does. No. That was my first thought. I don't know. I I, I, I pulled up presidents and I still can't figure out. William Henry Harrison. No, this is actually John Wilkes Booth. (laughs) 
I was about to say. Yeah, I, I figured you guys would know, but I so, guess this whole thing started because Jeff, you said you wouldn't be able to tell what he looks like, so you were I, I, correct. I, I had no idea that was John Wilkes Booth. He uh, looks like the type of guy that's going to shoot somebody from behind. He's got a very hipster vibe about him. Yeah. <laughs> if John Wilkes Booth was alive today, is he like strolling down South Congress in a pair of skinny jeans right now? He most definitely with a, uh, a a shirt that has very broad horizontal stripes. He's probably riding a bicycle. There's an outside chance he's riding a unicycle. Drinking something that I can't pronounce. Yeah. What shoes does he have on? Mm. Ooh. Because didn't he like break his ankle because he jumped off like the like out the window that was like three or four stories tall or something? Yeah. Good, good point, Jordan. Some Chuck Taylor converses would have served him well there. Ah, no, he needed to go Benny from the Sandlot. He needed to go PF Flyers. Ooh, man, I'm telling you, I probably watched the Sandlot. My dad can attest to this. I probably watched the Sandlot 300 times growing if up. They helped Benny pickle the beast. Then they might have helped John Wilkes Booth escape. I'm just saying. Mm. Just throwing that out there. But all right, we're taking enough of y'all's time. Well, uh, we'll be back to do it tomorrow. Trey, BK. Yeah, more John. Uh, I don't know where you guys are going tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll see you. Man.